Bring It On is a public affairs program exploring the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American communities in South Central Indiana and beyond. Bring It On is a forum for the people, by the people, produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana, and financially supported by listeners like you. Good evening. I'm Liz Mitchell, and welcome to Bring It On, a multiple award-winning radio broadcast in our 17th year as Indiana's only weekly community radio show, committed to exploring the people, issues, and events impacting the African-American community. And good evening. I'm Clarence Boone. As stated on their website, the Foundation of Monroe County Community Schools engages community support to inspire learning, enrich teaching, and enhance educational opportunities for all MCCSE students. In 1973, a group of local citizens working with MCCSC administration formed the Foundation of Monroe County Community Schools, FMCCS. The foundation was organized to provide a margin of excellence to the community and its schools that tax funding did not provide. Since this time, the foundation has enriched educational opportunities for students of the MCCSC. They have funded countless books for school libraries and classrooms, STEM equipment, field trips, Bradford Woods experiences, renovation of Honey Creek, professional development for teachers, school transformation projects, the STEM to them mobile lab, student scholarships, and more. To help us better understand the foundation of Monroe County Community Schools, we have invited Executive Director Cyrilla Hem and Board Director Nancy Glasswamy. Ladies, welcome to Bring It On. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So I'm glad to have you. You know, I I was impressed. um, And one of the thoughts that I had in my mind was, you know, hey, every community in Indiana has such an entity out there that's going to sort of um, cooperate with this community school corporation and just do wonders where tax dollars just can't do it all. Is that the case? Are, are we um, an unusual situation in the state of Indiana to have uh, this foundation? Uh, you're fortunate. Um, it is not unusual to see K through 12 education foundations um, in the state of Indiana. There are about 80 of them um, that are operating in a, a way that allows the state to track them. Um, there could be others that are smaller and just not as well established. So we're not as, as much aware of them. But one of the things I just, I was doing a lot of research earlier in the year, um, as I was working on a grant. And one of the things that we learned was that your larger school districts have a tendency to have an education foundation. But when you get into the rule and the very small schools in Indiana, you do not see it. So um, I would say it's a little bit of an inequity balance, especially in the rural and the small communities. Um, And it is very, very, very unfortunate um, that those communities don't have that because it is a game changer for public schools. Uh, Go ahead. On that note, and then I'll defer over to Liz. uh, What are the number of schools that are annually supported by your foundation? By our foundation, we support anybody in Monroe County Community School Corporation. That's comprised of a total of 23 schools. Uh, So there's 14 elementary schools, three middle schools, four high schools, Hoosier Hills Career Center, 
And we also support um, the Adult Learning Center at Broadview. You mentioned that you get grants. Where else does your money come from? Where does our money come from? Yeah, you just mentioned grants. So where else would the money come from that does all this good work? So the foundation is we are 100% privately generated. Uh, We receive no tax dollars. We receive no state funding or federal funding. All of our money comes from individuals, like all four of us sitting here today having a conversation. It comes from businesses. It comes from foundations. uh, Like I will give you like business foundations that have places where you can go after grants. Um, And I'm, I'm pretty, you can ask Nancy, I'm pretty much a go-getter. If there's grants out there that we can write and ask for um, that fit our education model, I'm, I'm out there asking for it and writing for it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked, uh, uh, it's talking about you fund the STEM equipment for our listening audience. Which one of you can tell us what STEM equipment is? Nancy, you want it? <laughs> Well, we do have the um, STEM to them bus that we helped raise over, was it $350,000 for for the school corporation? And it's a bus that has um, the student, it goes around to different elementary schools. The students can, um, there's a lab in there. They learn about technology um, on the bus. And it also um that the teachers can participate um as well as the students um on the stem to them bus mm-hmm. we also have a gems program the girls in engineering math and science mm-hmm. every spring for fifth and sixth grade girls and um unfortunately during covid we were not able to do that um in person in 2021 Uh, but usually it's a very big a good program where we have different organizations that will come and they'll have breakout rooms and the girls will learn about different um they'll go to different labs um uh we'll have tables set up in the beginning uh before the program begins and we'll introduce them to various professions and encourage them to their interest to spark their interest in those types of professions as far as engineering, maybe medicine, nursing, it's just a great program. And it's great to see the student participation. That sounds uh, wonderful. Yeah, it, it does. Um, and Nancy, who, by the way, is a member of the board of directors, um, you said something interesting when it comes to you had a component or not a component, but you had this this way of, of girls getting engaged, the gym program. So we had STEM to them and uh, science, technology, engineering, mathematics. But then you had the gym. So that would be the acronym would be um, Girls in Engineering, Math and Science. Okay. Girls in <laughs> Engineering, Math and Science. And again, I go back to one of my original statements. Boy, how many communities in Indiana enjoy these type of innovative Uh, outreach programs. And Nancy, you uh, are a health professional, uh, nursing, trained to be a nurse. Um, So if I wake up out of a out of a deep sleep and see your face, I'll I'll just start smiling. (laughs) Thank you. You're wonderful. 
Nancy and I go way back, and and um, I've always known her to be someone who is very compassionate and and is very concerned about um, just helping our kids be the very best. Um, so along with Nancy, Cirilla, who else comprises the foundation board? The board is made up, um, usually it's around 18 to 20 individuals, um, and they're from all walks of life um, in all different ages. So we try to keep the board in a really diverse situa- um, diverse capacity um, so that we are recognizing talents and skills uh, from as many areas of the community as we can in order to support um, the foundation as an organization. The one thing that we are not diverse on is the fact that we all have an extreme passion for public education. And so in that aspect, we're very united um, in our beliefs and why we're there as a mission. So you kind of touched on it there a little bit, um, Clarence. One of the reasons that the board went after um, the STEM to them program and the girls in engineering, math and science program is both of those programs were at a, in the back core of them, they're designed to help reach inequities in education. Mm-hmm. We are trying to, in the girls in engineering, math and science, it's aimed at girls. Um, you probably are aware that, you know, in the educational space, when those careers, um, fewer, fewer girls go into STEM professions um, than in the male counterparts. And when you, when you delve that back into other demographics of nationality, um, their income levels, it gets even worse as it goes back into that. Um, So that was one of the big reasons why um, when MCCSC wanted to put that program together, that the board and the foundation said, absolutely, we will find the money to put this together because these young ladies need to be able to hear from other women in the profession. And it's all women that day. It, it's, it's all women in there. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it's done for a reason. It's done so that they can learn from women who look like them. Um, so we want them to see these women. We want them to learn from them. Um, they come in from uh Cook, they come in from Catalan, they come in from Baxter. The industry in this area, in this community, has really embraced the program and they give up their time to come in and work with these young ladies. The same thing with the STEM lab. Um, that was also designed as part of Monroe County's Ready Schools initiative. Um, that at its core, when you drive it back, the corporation, MCCSE, is looking to say, how do we break the inequities? in STEM um, and and make sure that all of our kids are getting really strong programming in the STEM space. Um, They're also doing it in literacy and the other areas. It's just that for for right now, the foundation has sort of picked up the bubble on the STEM side um, because it's expensive. Um, Like I said, the the STEM lab was $370,000. I believe we are the only, well, I don't believe, I know, we're the only public school uh, and possibly the only school corporation throughout the state that has a vehicle like that. It's a big trick to our RV. Um, and, you know, we had a lot of sponsors who really kicked in and made that happen. Um, and we're very appreciative of what they did. Um, and so it's just really nice to be able to have um, the support and the backing of Monroe County. The teachers step in, they jump in, um, and they take, the, take these on as extra pieces for our kids because they love our kids.
I, I wanted to uh, discern from that also that there may be targeted populations, uh, say those who are somewhat marginalized in the educational experience, and then those who may come from lower income or those who uh, various ethnicities who may find themselves on sort of the outside looking in. Because, you know, let's face it, once the, uh, the digital highway or, or when, when Internet was the rave, we found that the highway itself never landed in some communities. But, mm -hmm. I, but I see this as an effort to, to bridge some of those historical gaps and educational uh, impact that have existed. Um, so I, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. And, and I, in my discernment, I, I believe was correct that special effort is given to reach these populations that need it the most. Absolutely. Right. Um, and yeah. I think that it's um, especially wonderful that students, when they see people, you know, other people that look like them and they are um, in these professions, it gives them hope that um, an encouragement and for their future that, you know, perhaps that, you know, like, hey, I can do this, too. And I think it, I think it's a great opportunity to um, give the students encouragement and exposure to the possibilities of various um, opportunities for them in the future and as well as now. Yeah, absolutely. Would you consider that being one of the biggest challenges that you have is to reach those marginalized students? I wouldn't say it's one of our biggest challenges. It, for the foundation, we're here for all the students. So our, our mission is really to try to touch every single student um, in the district in some way, shape, form, or fashion each year. Um, and through the pandemic, that's opened different ways of touching children. Um, last year, a big space for us was there was a really big need in the mental health um, uh, yeah. with our children. And even though that does hit certain societal norms, um, the pandemic really did did impact a lot of other children um, that may not hit those other demographics that we traditionally look at. Um, so that money is providing a lot of professional development for our faculty, um, just because inside of Monroe County, when a student gets really um, in a dire strait for, for the needs on mental health services, there's waiting lists for, for them um, to get into beds or to get in with a with a medical professional. So being able to train the faculty in different ways of looking at them, supports that they can try to provide or just anything that we can provide for the student or the family um, is one of the big pieces that um, the corporation is trying to do as well. Okay. I'm executive director of the foundation of Monroe County Community Schools and Nancy Goswami, board director. Uh, they're joining us to enlighten us further on the mission and impact of the foundation of Monroe County Community Schools. Um, I have a question related to this, this whole COVID pandemic and while wow, it forced us all to get creative. You are now listening to us and taking part in this interview where typically we would be in person at the studios of WF, WFHP. But ever since 2020, um, it seems that our, our wonderful um, news department staff and the general management came up with a creative way to, hey, we're radio, we can make this work. And so all of the producers have, have had a, a means by which to communicate with guests, and that being Zoom. And uh, it's, it's really brought, it's opened up doors and really broadened 
our reach, if you will. Some guests we could not invite because physically they were across the country or maybe even one, several instances overseas. Yeah. But with Zoom, we're able to bring everyone together. I say all that to say MCCSC had to get creative during the pandemic. My daughters learned from home for an entire year. I never want to uh, I don't want to repeat that. I just saw a whole host of variety of reasons. Uh, I don't think you're alone, Clarence. Camped out in front of a, a computer screen with a divider behind them and not missing out on the whole interaction, one-on-one -on -one interaction, especially at a developmental stage, developmental stage that they were at. But anyway, I've said this before. The, 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 um, uh, the corporation, the school corporation was very flexible but yet at times they did have to shut the doors and people and children learned, you know, uh, like digitally. Uh, was it your was it your effort or was it were you charged to try to find the equipment for those homes that did not have, say, a laptop or or headphones or whatever? How did what role did you play during that whole time? So we played a role. The, the corporation came to us um, pretty quickly and said, hey, um, how do how do you do, how can we raise money in order to try to um, pull in some of this stuff? We Monroe County was very fortunate in that our students already were one to one on devices. So in the elementary space, they all have iPads. At the high school, I know that they have Chromebooks, and I want to say middle schools Chromebooks, but it could be iPads. I, I think they're on on those as well. So those devices are, were already in their hands. The trick was getting them. But what, what became problematic was the Internet um, and being able to help those students who did not have um, any kind of Wi-Fi service or those students who um, have Wi-Fi, but it's marginal, not, not strong enough bandwidth for them to be interacting uh, with their classroom all day. So that was a big struggle. So the foundation did step in. Um, we purchased a lot of the MiFi devices that the corporation gave to families. Um, the corporation paid for the services on those uh, devices for parents if they could not afford because they hooked through a mobile system. So they did that. Some areas of the county, we had to set up hotspots because you get out in certain rural areas and there's just not a tower that's going to right. And, right. Mm -hmm. and so they had to do a lot of troubleshooting in those different ways in order to make it equitable so that the kids could get on so um and then you also had the 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 others the, other, the double-edged sword of faculty members who are at home with their own children trying to have their children you know online but what they're trying to teach and so it was just a really big struggle um for for, for everybody um and you know it's and i think a lot of us now learn that when your office is in your house or when your classroom is in your house when do you turn it off? When does it become family time? When do yeah. we, you know, when do we get back to just, you know, that kind of thing? So right. I think those were a lot of the struggles, but the foundation we did, we, uh, we put together backs uh, Nancy helped. She came in, she was one of the, the board members who came in. We stuffed packs of things. We went and we bought um, school supplies because some of the kids, like this all happened right after they didn't come back. They The shutdown order went into place at the end of spring break. So they had all left for spring break and they were not allowed back in the buildings to get their personal possessions. So if they don't have the crowns and markers at home, they didn't have them. 
So we jumped in, uh, we purchased notebooks, crayons, markers, basic school supplies to put in the hands of those kids. So those were the, that was the areas where the foundation stepped in um, and, and tried to put it, put it together. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just want to mention that people must be jealous of, of Monroe County. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would just like to step, um, just kind of jump in here and just to remind everyone that um, we would not be able to do that without the generosity of so many people. And mm-hmm. we are, we are extremely grateful for, um, every donation that comes into us, you know, if it's $25 all the way up to, you know, huge endowments, we are very grateful and appreciative for everything that, um, the community people in the community and abroad, you know, and even farther out every, all the help that we get from. Mm-hmm. from our donors yeah i have to agree with you on that on so many different levels it's truly a blessing to be here in monroe county because they have be- backed me on so many different projects and where else can you go uh to get backing on so many things on so many different levels other than right here in bloomington this community is is just a wonderful community to live in i have one question too and i'm bringing this up because i have family members that homeschool so do you get involved in that area and then help homeschoolers uh, the foundation does not. Um, okay. There are some supports that the corporation does provide for those families to some degree, um, but the foundation does not get involved with with homeschooling or charter schools or those types of things. So, uh, I, I again, as Liz, I echo uh, what she said about wow in Monroe County, we we feel there like there's a lot of support, a lot of services available. I want to go back to 1973, Sorella. <laughs> From your research and studies, those founders in 1973, those local citizens who were concerned, those local citizens like a Nancy, uh, who were saying, "Hey, we need to do something," who were they? If 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 um, if, if you can recollect through your oh. research, through your minutes, through notes, who were some of those local folks? Well, the the big advocate from it, from my understanding, is it was the superintendent at the time, mm. and his. His name is completely gone from my from my brain right now. It might register in a few in a little bit, but I did actually when the foundation about five years ago, um, we put together a video um, when the foundation turned forty, and I had the um, pleasure of interviewing him. Um, he's now lives in uh, Lexington, Kentucky, and um, his health was at a space where I could interview him over the phone, and he basically said that. He saw the he saw the writing on the wall. That was at the time when state funding, when they put in the per pupil, this big model that basically had a calculator to it that said this is how much it's going to go and this is how it works. And he looked at that and he said Monroe County is going to have a problem. We're not going to be able to maintain the quality of our schools that we have been able to maintain with the cuts that will come forward. And I think in to a degree, he, he, he was exactly right on. And but that has also gotten it has also increased, um, you know, the just problems with state funding have gone crazy throughout the course of, of different type, different legislative periods. So we do find ourselves in that situation, which is why Monroe County has to operate with a referendum. If we didn't operate with a referendum, this is my plug. <laughs> this is my plug. If we did not operate with a referendum, 
our educational systems would struggle um, and it would not be the corporation that we are today. Um, so I really hope that the um, that voters do see that and understand where that money comes from and what that money is doing. Um, but the other people that were there, um, Tom Bunger's father was one of the uh, founders and he was, he's the main one that comes to mind for me. Um, and Tom Bunger is still involved. Tom is still on the board. He replaced his dad when his dad stepped away. So we have a lot of longevity, um, you know, through that period with a lot of those people um, that were in that initial grouping of people that stepped forward and said, hey, let's create this foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, on that line, in your charter, were you formed to support MCCSC or... Um, were you perform? Were you formed to be the source the MCC CSE reaches out to? In other words, you're autonomous and mm-hmm. somewhat independent from the MCCSC, or are you like a separate arm of the MCCSC? So we're completely autonomous. We're a five hundred one c three, and we operate under the board. So. I operate under the board, but our bylaws stipulate that our funding can only be utilized for students inside of Monroe County Community Schools. Okay. So back to Liz's question, do we help the homeschools? We can't because of the because of the way the charter on the nonprofit was established. You have to be a student inside of Monroe County Community Schools or an MCCSC employee in order for our services to be there. Okay. Now, okay. The problem, say, we have with um, buses and mm-hmm. MCCSC and other communities. We're not the only ones. Uh, either uh, not that many drivers or not enough buses in some communities. Do you support that arm of education or is that something that you tend to stay away from and you're just really concerned with the books, with the digital learning and things like that? We are more on the educational classroom space. So we're more with enrichment activities that come through curriculum. So um, we don't necessarily support any of the costs associated with transportation. But if a bus driver wrote a grant to us to ask for something, they would definitely be considered. And we actually did one time have it happen. Um, we had a bus driver who drove a bus and had a specific person. They had a disabled child that would come onto the bus and there's an aide who's on the bus for that child. And they wrote asking for um, manipulatives that that aide could use during the transportation part of their day, things that they would have on the bus to be able to um, engage that particular child. And it was funded. So, <laughs> so well, it, does, it does happen. It does happen. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, that's great. Um, I I would like for you to tell more about your initiative called Real Men Read. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is something because I really that's all I wanted to do was read or I did do was read until COVID. Then I started looking at Netflix and I've been hooked. It's <laughs> terrible. But reading a book is something that I've always enjoyed doing. So can you tell us the listening audience about Real Men Read. I'd love to. So Real Men Read, we started uh, about seven or eight years ago. And um, they, it is a program that we put in for kindergarten literacy. Um, what we were finding was that there was a strong need for the kindergartners to have role models 
um, that come in and read to them. So part of the program is we have about 40 volunteers. Um, they are men, and we selected it to be men in the community um, because so many of our kids do not have a positive male role model in their life. So um, we've taken a little criticism from the female population on that, but we have held true to it um, because we do feel it is important for um, those students that are in those situations to be able to have that. The other big strong need that is there um, is for those kids to be able to have access to reading materials that are age appropriate. Um, build their home libraries if they don't have parents that will take them to the library or they don't have access to those types of of reading materials. And so that's what it's doing. So they, they, they go in um, five times a year and a literacy person has selected the books and we give the men a little lesson plan to help them because they're not most people. A lot of these men are not used to having 20 kindergartners sitting around them. Um, and they don't realize that, you know, if you say, Hey, what do you think about that? That he's going to get 20 different answers yelled at him pretty fast. So it's to give them a little guidance um, in how to do a read aloud with that young of an age set. Um, but the big key thing to it was um, giving accessibility to the books. And one of the things I heard from a lot of parents, because we continued this through the pandemic, um, this was definitely an item that we continued during the year that they were all at home online. Um, the books were purchased and we put them out. And then I had three or four of the volunteers who were willing to record themselves and they recorded them and we put them out and made it accessible so that the kids could look at them whenever they wanted to. And the teachers could also utilize it during classroom instruction, but the books were sent home. And because remember the public library was closed. Some of these kids, this was it. This was the only resource that they had. And I know that a lot of parents told me they said, even my second grader who had that program two years earlier was getting those books out because, you know, they they needed something to do because nobody could go anywhere. So having those things, those books at home, the literature, the, the research shows you that those kids just read better um, they because they're reading more and frequently and the modeling and the affluency is coming through. So it's a really... It's one of those programs that um, I really like it. Um, it's fun to administer, and it's just a lot of fun to let the guys go with it. Would Do you ever partner with the Monroe County History Center on, on different things? Um, we have never really partnered with them. We've had, mm -hmm. we've, we've had conversations about how we could um, partner mm -hmm. with a few things. We, um, because they're free, because they, they, they take our classrooms in for free um, if they go. But we've had, sometimes we've funded... Um, bus transportation and those types of things in order mm -hmm. to get classrooms mm -hmm. there. But outside mm -hmm. of that, we've never really done a program together with them. And I think it could be fun if we did. I, oh. I think so too. I'm a historian for African-American culture and experience here in Bloomington. And one of the ideas that I have that you, you might want to consider is um, a check out a human being instead of check out a book. And let me use Clarence as an example, if he would come to volunteer with I was just about to suggest that, Liz. <laughs> you know, yes. Clarence, the, you the have oh, many talents. So, you, you, yeah. well, you could check out Clarence and the kids could interview him or one child would interview him and tell the other kids all about Clarence and the activities and the, the different things that he has done and volunteered for the community. And so you would have a human being rather than a book. And you would learn local history. You would learn interview skills. There's all kinds of things that go with that. 
And so this seems like a great partnership that um, could be developed with the Monroe County History Center. And my thing is to know your local history mm-hmm. and, and the people here locally. And sometimes we kind of lose track of that. So that may be something we could talk about. I just wrote that down. <laughs> it sounds like we have a new program. <laughs> well, well, if I could say that I, I have a library checkout uh, slip in my uh, in my shirt uh, pocket, so but I am overdue. I've been checked out by my two girls for the longest, and they, they just, just keep checking me out and checking me out. You know, that's a wonderful idea. That is a wonderful idea. Nancy, a little earlier, you were wanting to chime in on something that we were discussing. Go ahead now before uh, that, that thought eludes you. Go ahead. Well, Liz did touch on that. I was going to suggest... Um, Clarence, we're always looking for volunteers for the Real Men Who Read mm-hmm. um, program. And, you know, um, if I text you one day, um, don't be surprised and to see, because I think you'd be a wonderful for that program. Well, well, Nancy, if I ever really said no to you. Okay, so moving <laughs> <No>. on. <laughs> um, there's something else along the lines of... Um, of just these creative program ways uh, that, that you've employed just to reach those who really haven't been reached that much in their life. Um, now, we talked about the earlier grades, the formative years. Clearly, kindergarten, yes, that, that's a great jump-off point. But what do you do? Because I work with a program uh, at IU, the Office of Community and School Partnerships, where we were trying to engage middle school students in a desire to go to college. And, and our studies found that it's still not too late by maybe 7th or 8th grade to get that switch flipped on to really engage that participant and wanting to look at school, either 21st century scholars and in certain communities, such things as the groups uh, program at IU, or even if, if um, an IU is not for everybody, maybe Ivy Tech, but somehow keep learning. Uh, what do you do at Oh, the, at those grade levels, say middle school, um, to try to engage students in partnership with MCCSC and learning? What, what type of things do you do? Um, so at that age, there's really not as strong. Um, the corporation itself is tr- it does uh, runs a few programs, um, and they're, they're kind of in conjunction with work coming through the chamber um, with the success school. So at the middle school, um, they run um, a program where volunteers come in and they try to teach them. It's kind of like a, it's like playing. Do you remember the board, the board game life? Yeah. It It's kind of like that. I can't think of exactly what they call the program, um, but it's like that. And the students go through um, a series of exercises um, in order to just sort of think about different careers Um what your pay scale will look like if you choose to go to college, what your pay scale will look like if you don't go to college, um, loans, they're trying to blend in a little bit of financial literacy there, those types of things, have them start thinking about what does it cost? Um, what does it cost to have an apartment? What does it cost to have, you know, an electric bill? The, those types of things that they're not familiar with. Right. Um, and so that's running through the success school at the chamber and, and that's specifically pointed at the middle schools. Um, they're also doing through that programming um, some things where they run. Um, there was one just run, I think, last week at North where they get different companies to come in 
um, so that a, like a career fair so that high schoolers can start to see different career opportunities and career paths that are out there. Um, they can talk with the businesses. Some of them actually get internships out of those different programs. So there are some things happening like that. And a lot of that is set up by the counseling departments inside of the school corporation. Mm-hmm. joined us, uh, and the voice you just heard is Sorella Helm, Executive Director of the Foundation of Monroe County Community Schools, and Nancy Goswami, who's also a board director with that foundation. They're joining us to enlighten us on further, um, under, further understanding of the mission and impact of this foundation. Uh, you, you mentioned volunteers, and yeah, I gladly want to carve out some time that hopefully is there to come in and be of support to something as ambitious or something as worthwhile as that. It reminds me of other people in the community like Michelle Martin Coleman, uh, who I work with. Mm-hmm. She took a cohort of people to, to schools, junior high schools in particular, and we were all people of color. And the simple request was, tell your story. Yeah. Tell your story. Because a lot of those students have never really engaged, we found, with people from our community or had significant interaction with people from our, our community and maybe have by this time formed, uh, hopefully not uh, impressions uh, that uh, were not accurate, but this was an opportunity to share with them a slice of our life, what was mm-hmm. life like. And, and I got such a rewarding uh, feeling from that. Uh, uh, there were some people that took part that, during their presentation, tears were flowing because they were just reliving and they were so impassioned about what they were going through. And our hope is, is that now years later, uh, those students who perhaps some have graduated uh, will look back on that to say, hey, you know what? Uh, They live fascinating lives just as I have. Hey, you know, we are all sort of the same here. Uh, We're just cut from different cloths, different um, portions of the uh, the cloth. So I, uh, I, like just to point that out, and again, I, I like that idea of just getting volunteers in the schools. What other home runs can you boast about? We want to give you a chance to talk about some of the other great home runs that the foundation's had, either Cirilla or Nancy, if you want to answer that. Um, I, I'll, I'll grab one, and it might prompt give Nancy a little time to think about it. Um, so part of a, a big home run that we have um, is – Several years ago, we started working um, with an individual who came to us with a very strong passion for um, reading and literacy. Um, This person had worked in the corporation as a reading specialist before she retired, and she felt that the books that the kids have, you know, in order to engage some kids in reading, it takes a certain type of book. Um, and she wanted to make sure that those, that our libraries, that the collections in those elementary libraries stays current so that the kids have, um, have access to really good, strong reading material, both for pleasure and also, you know, academically. Uh, so the big win for us was she, she ran the program for several years. Um, and then they endowed the program about three or four years ago. Um, so they, it was probably the largest gift that the foundation has ever received um, in its history, and that money went into an endowment. So this elementary library grant program, it allows every elementary school to have approximately around $1,000 a year that they can use to upgrade book collections. And when I talk to the elementary librarians, they are just elated um, with that money that comes to them. So um 
some schools struggle. Um, their way they're funded is they get a certain amount per student, and it's it's the amount that they're given per student is really with today's inflationary costs, it's not even enough to buy a high quality book um, per student. So that gives you an idea as to how how low that funding is through the state funding. So it's a, been a really big positive program for us, um, and one that I'm just really proud will will it's going to outlive me. <laughs> so it's, it's endowed, it's going in perpetuity. And I, I'm just really support, I'm pleased with that. And one of the things that I've also seen over my tenure with the foundation is that the community is starting to see us as a strong foundation um, and trust us as a foundation with their philanthropic giving. Um, we've had several people who have created endowments. Some of those are for scholarships. Some of those are for programs where the money will stay inside of education. Um, we started one last year, um, with a donor who has a passion for an emphasis on global learning. So learning about different cultures, learning about different languages, learning about, and it's not even just people when you think as far as away from our shores of the of the United States. It's about people who even live inside of our country and community and learning more about their cultures and, and the things that are important to them. So um, it's it's a really great program and she has started that endowment. So for me, that's kind of the, the biggest home run that I'm seeing is that people are accepting of us and coming to us and saying, this is my passion in education. And how do, how do I create a program that will sustain a legacy improvement that I want and carry it on? Um, some of them set them up as scholarships. So those are different scholarships that are given at the high school level as a student goes off into um, goes off. And one of the things I've always had a dream of having is that we would have um, a, one that feeds an African American student. We do not have that currently. We don't have. Um, a scholarship specifically designated for for that purpose. Um, so I'd love to see that happen, but we do have a lot that are that are out there, and that's kind of my home run. Nancy, what do you got? Okay. I don't know how to top that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as you're thinking uh, of a response, if I could piggyback on uh, Cirilla with a question. Uh, I know Liz is is tangentially a part of this program where every uh, first day of school, uh, black men gather at one of the schools and welcome students as they arrive for the first day of school. I mean, so much can be written about your experiences on the first day. It could could springboard a success throughout the whole entire year. So they they line the sidewalk and high five the students as they go in. That's huge. I'm just curious. um, Cirilla said something interesting, Liz, that Maybe that same energy, some of the same participants might fund um, the uh, the feeding or some, you know, the, if a student has a need for special books or learning um, items, they might fund that through a scholarship, create a scholarship. And Nancy, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Cirilla, would you be the proper entity to approach that, say, if people in the community want to uh, target or sponsor a child teacher or building, do they come to this foundation to do so? And how, how would they do that? So that, that is what we do. Um, so pretty much I've just I had a lot of people that, that they will reach out and they'll give us an idea of what they would like to do. Um, 
something that they're passionate about. Sometimes it's just, you know, it is a scholarship that, that pays annually, but sometimes what they do, um, one of the ones that we have, um, it was, a he was in the medical profession that was established and wanted that to drive for the student who plans to go into the medical profession. So there are scholarships that are created like that, or there are programs like I discussed that where they wanted to f- help a child while they're in case in their K through 12 experience. So there are a lot of different ways to do it. They just really would reach out to me. Um, we talk through what they want to do and we try to figure out the best way to make that happen um, and, and go for it. So I have a young lady. I, I was so thrilled. She was actually a friend of my daughter's. Um, so this is how young she is. And this is her philanthropic mindset already. So she graduated from Bloomington High School North in 2014, and she already has an endowment that she created um, that funds a scholarship for a student who has taken a special initiative in their high school careers. They found a problem that they saw in their high school, and they wanted to solve it. And those are the students who can write in and request for for these for that particular scholarship. But for me, it just speaks volumes about her at, that she's already, what is she, 26, 27, and she's already financially created an endowment that is benefiting students back in her in, in Monroe County. So I just, I think that's just, it's one of those, I got, I've got goosebumps just talking about it. Wow. That reminds me of the, the micro lending program, the international micro lending program, which at one point I believe targeted women who wanted to start small businesses. And it didn't take a lot of money because our United States dollars just can project them well into the future if we just mm-hmm. donate into that. Um, yeah. uh, Nancy, you had a, you had an opportunity now, uh, about five additional minutes <laughs> to think of a couple home runs there. So... Can you think of a, can you share a couple of grand slams that uh, you've been a part of with this uh, foundation? You know, I am just so happy to be part of a wonderful group of people that um, really care about our students and about our public schools. Um, because, you know, whatever we give into and um, provide our schools, it will come back to us eventually. Absolutely. And it helps you know, if it helps, you know, if I am um, part of a program and I, if it just helps one student um, that for their, just to help better their future, I'm just, I'm happy to pay it forward. I I really appreciate that. And I just want to piggyback on that too. Our kids are our greatest natural resource Mm -hmm. and what better way uh, to spend money. You're not wasting not one nickel anytime you spend money on our children. That is, is money well spent. And if no one hasn't figured that out yet, shame on you. I feel feel that we, we need to um, cultivate a, a future for our children where their lives are more stable, more civil, um, more enriched with diversity and appreciate diversity. And um, if I can be contribute to that just a little bit, I, I'm, I'm happy. And I, like I said before, we couldn't do any of this work without our donors, mm-hmm. without our volunteers, without our board volunteer, our board members, they volunteer their time there. I'm going on my sixth year on the board and there are I 
Cirilla, help me. How long has the longest person been on the board? Um, oh, gosh. It, it, Tom's been on for a long time. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we have people that are um, are really dedicated to our, our students and have been, you know, doing a lot of important. Yeah. And I will say I will give Nancy one of her home runs that she's not that she's being too humble about. Um, Nancy has pushed really hard for board diversity. Um, for our board to be a really strong, diverse grouping. So um, I thank her for bringing us to you guys. Um, She also pushes the board a little bit um, in getting out of their comfort zone, getting out into the community um, and going to different functions to let the community know who we are. So um, she's really good at being that very strong advocate. Um, she's also really good on the ninth hole at our golf outing at, <laughs> um, at coming through there and getting those guys to pull a 20 out of their pocket at the, you know, during the day. So oh. she's never afraid to, to ask. And it's one of the things about her that I appreciate the most um, is that she does walk the talk and she gets in there and she rolls up her sleeves and she really works this and she's an advocate for our kids because she wants our kids to do better. Well, I would like to say if any of our golfers are listening, you know who you are. <laughs> Every year, well, the past few years, um, I well, I sit at the ninth hole at the country club and I sell raffle tickets and um, we joke and we laugh and I promise those guys things that I really can't deliver um, just for them to buy more raffle tickets and nobody else on the board wants to do it because they say that I do it the best. Um, but if you guys are listening, I'll see you next June. I'll see you next year at the ninth hole. <laughs> well, tell our listening audience how they can support, how can they contribute? Who do they send checks to or who do they go to as a GoFundMe or, or just how do you, how do you want the listening artist to send you some money? Well, you can send us money any way you want. So um, we take checks for those that are still check writers. Um, we also, if you go to our website, which is mccsfoundation.org, um, we, you can give online through there. You can set up a recurring gift. Um, for a lot of people, I sometimes encourage that, especially if you are a person who says, Oh, I'm going to forget, or I'm this or that you can set it up and you can set those recurring gifts up to either come straight from your bank account, or you can have them hit your credit card. So you can have them set either way. Um, and then you don't have to think about it and, and you can set them at any amount. You can set it at $5. Um, but that's how you do it. Um, and like I said, we do take checks and we take gifts of stock. We take gifts of everything. So um, we we do encourage um, people to to do that in in whatever capacity you can. Um, I know some people in our community can give a lot and there are a lot of other people who can give a little. Um, but everything adds up. Um, it, it, it truly adds up. And I, if you think back to when you count your piggy bank, you know, and you put money in for a couple of years and how many of those quarters and nickels and dimes, what it totals up to be. And it all gifts matter. All gifts count. Well, I think there's um, another way that you can um, provide uh, gifts to us is just by talking about us like mm-hmm. we're yep. doing today. And I really am so grateful to Clarence and Liz for offering us this great opportunity to um, introduce us to your listening audience and, um, please just talk about us and tell people us about, tell people about us and, 
um, that's also another way to give to us. I would like to also um, remind everyone that we, and we also provide teacher grants. So if there are teachers out there that are listening in the Monroe County community, um, public school district, any teachers out there, if you have an idea for a grant, please feel free to submit it to us um, that, you know, we have um, money to give away and we'd like to see more teacher grants. Yeah, absolutely. And the other way that you can give is with your time. Um, We do have volunteer programs that you can also volunteer for. Um, Real Men Read is filled for right now. So we do have that one filled for the year. But the other one that you can volunteer for is the STEM to them lab. That lab rotates, um, goes to every elementary school twice a year. Um, So if there's an elementary school close to you, or if you have kids in those schools, you can volunteer because they need a lot of volunteers on that lab. Um, So it does take a lot of volunteers in that, in for that particular program. And I know that the teacher would, um, would love to have people that, um, that want to help in that capacity. All righty. It's just a a few minutes remaining, um, and time has flown. Uh, It has. There are two areas that we have not touched on. If I were to pick up your annual report, Mm -hmm. and along with all the programming that I would read about, and uh, maybe some of the historical trends that that I would learn about, how much annual dollars are raised by your foundation? Um, So... I would say last year, this past year, our books closed were a physical close on um, August 31st. Um, this past year, we raised um, $635,000. That has been a high year for us. Um, we had uh, quite a bit of memorial gifts come in from that. And we had a lot of our um, people who have endowments who added to those endowments. So we, a lot of that is in growth um, through those asset bases. Um, but we also had a lot of money that flipped and went back into the direct back in. So the direct back in money, um, we infused back in probably about $220,000, um, before scholarships and awards and those types of things, just the direct grant and those types of programs that are hitting systemically into MCCSE. So that amount raised really speaks to the success of your program. But then again, as you just said, the giving back of those funds raised, plus you need to build a corpus and keep going for the future. Um, You are doing some good things because you're being good stewards. And then finally, what have we not touched on in the remaining minute or two that we have? What have we not touched on? Oh, wow. What have we not touched on? (laughs) There's so much more to talk about. (laughs) We have 60 seconds. Okay. I'm going to give you the one thing we haven't touched on. So this year, Bloomington High School North is celebrating 50 years. Wow. Yes. It was started in 1972. They closed University High School and they closed Unionville High School when that started. And so I want to give a shout out to anyone who is alum from Unionville or University or Bloomington High School North. We are working with the students and the administration at North to build an endowment for them. Um, Since it's 50 years, we're going after an aggressive goal of $500,000. It's a game changer for the high school if we are able to raise that money, which will specifically go back into programs dedicated only to Bloomington High School North. So, and I've done a little research and they have an endowment. We already have raised enough money to endow it. We've raised $57,000 so far. 
Um, but I believe if my research that I'm able to find is correct, North will be the first public high school in the state of Indiana to have a dedicated endowment. Excellent. Go North, it can do it. <laughs> it can be well, done. Well, the, private, the private, some of the private schools in North, in Indianapolis have them. So some of those high schools, Cathedral, those guys, they have them. Oh yeah. But yeah. but public school from a public perspective, um, will be the we will be the first. So um, they then they can't take that away from them. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. I have right. no doubt that that uh, Bloomington will do it. Yeah. No. No doubt. Well, what a so that's a big initiative for us this year. So that's one, right. one of my big initiatives. And the other big initiative in my, I'm probably out of my 60 seconds, is we are also a charity recipient with Old National Bank this year okay. for their 100 Cooks Who Care program. So if your listeners are interested in supporting us and Wonder Lab in that event, yeah. call me. Call me. It's a great, fun event, and it can be a lot, and we can have a great time raising money for those two charities. Okay. Well, well. On that right. happy note, on that happy note, we're <laughs> going to have to land this plane. Um, <laughs> and our thanks to Sorella Helm, Executive Director of the Foundation <laughs> of Monroe County Community Schools, and Nancy Goswami, Board Director, for joining us to enlighten us further on the mission and impact of this foundation. For more information, reach out to them at mccsfoundation.org. Again, mccsfoundation.org. Bring it on has an open submission policy. Excuse me. <clears throat> Bring it on has an open submission policy. So if you have an idea for this program, let's hear it. Send an email to our volunteer staff. The address is bringiton at wfhb.org. We want to make sure we share everything and anything affecting the African-American community with our listening audience in Bloomington and beyond. The email address, once again, is bringiton at wfhb.org. And as my co-anchor got a little choked up with all the great news coming from this foundation... (laughs) Uh, Bringing on's executive producer is Clarence Boone, and tonight's assistant producer is Liz Mitchell. Show consultant and WFHB News Department Director is Cade Young. Program engineer is Chantal LaFontaine. Original theme music was created by Jamel Effiam, with additional background tracks by David Baker. For WFHB, I'm Clarence Boone. And I'm Liz Mitchell. I'm getting choked up again. (laughs) (laughs) Be sure to tune in next Monday on 6 p.m. for another edition of Bringing On right here on your community radio station, WFHB. You've been listening to Bring It On, a volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. Bring It On is your forum for open dialogue on the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American community in South Central Indiana and beyond. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Bring It On staff. The email address is bringit at wfhb.org. That's bringit at wfhb.org.